0: Reactive Redefined, our three-month intensive coaching program will reopen for enrollment on Friday, April 1st. You will have until Sunday, April 10th to join check out the show notes for more details. Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have another Reactive Redefined case study for you. And Bethany was actually the winner of the giveaway, this round of Reactive Redefined. You worked hard to win that giveaway. You deserved it. Oh my
1: God. You only saw about a quarter of the entries that I did. The past four rounds of Reactive Redefined, I tried to enter, but realized that my account was set on private. So oh no. nobody saw my entries. I was just throwing them into the void. So I was very excited to have realized my mistake. and actually won this time. Oh my God. I'm so <laughs> glad you joined
0: us. I'm so glad you did. Okay. So Bethany, tell everyone a little bit about you, where you're located. And then let's talk a little bit about Basil. I kind of want to hear like her, her coming to you story first.
1: Yeah. So, uh, name's Bethany. I'm currently living in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I'm here doing my master's at UNC, uh, and moved here kind of smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And, um, I, I grew up always knowing I, I love, like, I love dogs. I love dogs and I love kids are kind of the two things. And I would put them kind of at the same place and always kind of told myself, like, I know I want kids. I just, I feel like I need to wait until I can have a kid. And like, if I can't wait that long, then I'll get a dog to hold myself over. That was kind of my thinking on it. Right. Uh, And just knowing how busy I was, I didn't think it was a good idea for me to get a dog. I never did not grow up getting having a dog. I have two younger brothers, and all three of us wanted dogs. Uh, And when we asked my parents, they said, "Why do you need a dog? You have two brothers."
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that rationale. That sounds yeah.
1: I'm like not quite the same thing, but enter pandemic and enter virtual grad school and a lot of extra time on my hands at home. And I, I found myself thinking, you know, I, there's no better time for me to do this. I have the time to help get a dog comfortable. I knew I wanted to adopt and knew I wasn't going to do a puppy. My brother did a puppy and I could not have dealt with that sleep deprivation while in grad school. (laughs) I love how wise you were in that, right? Like you knew that an
0: older dog was going to be a much easier transition for you.
1: Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, first dog. Um, and before I dive into like Basil's background, I'll say I knew I didn't I'll say I did not know that dog reactivity was a thing. I did not know that reactivity was a thing. I just I was completely unaware. The only dogs I'd ever seen had been dogs that were very well socialized, love dog parks, love people, love cars, love whatever. So enter basil. Uh, I, for about, gosh, probably three to four months applied for 30, 40 different dogs. And it was during that time, everyone wanted a dog. Oh, so it was, oh, was, it was so like,
0: hard to acquire a dog <laughs> during that time.
1: I was applying for like the old three-legged deaf blind dogs. I'm like, how am I not getting these dogs? But as luck would have it, I saw Basil on pet finder and seven minutes after she was posted I got my application in and an hour later I got a call saying that I could pick her up that afternoon I'd been approved and I was like oh this was less than a week after I did the big move from driving from Omaha to Chapel Hill still hadn't totally gotten settled it was like a week or two before I was starting grad school and I was like okay sure let's let's do it let's, let's dive well, right like in if you've been waiting for that long it's kind of like you don't want to pass up that opportunity right exactly exactly and so um my brother was here helping me move out at the time and we both went and saw basil just to make sure she was with a foster family at the time uh and just to make sure it was a good fit and she was the cutest dog I've ever seen she was 10 pounds lighter than she is now. And I think that that is a combination of her being underweight at the time and her now having a lot of treats as part of her training. So kind of both of those things. But she was, when I saw her, um, she was extremely excited, friendly, jumping up, kisses, seemed really comfortable with me and my brother from the get-go. I was like, fantastic. That's great. And her foster family made a comment about how like this was a little bit unusual. She usually was a little bit nervous around new people and for whatever reason, just latched onto me. And I was like, well, that's fine. That's great. We'll work with that. However, I can not knowing quite what that meant.
0: <laughs> okay. So before you go on, can you do me a favor?
1: Yeah. Can you
0: describe what Basil looks like a little bit in a little bit more depth for everybody?
1: Well, um, before I got her DNA test, I was like, I was a hundred percent sure that she was mostly cattle dog would have been my guess. Now she doesn't have some of that coloring of blue healers. She is black with a little bit of like brindle and a little bit of white mixed in, but mostly black, kind of a pointy nose. Um, she's 45 pounds, but doesn't look 45 pounds. She's, she's pretty solid. Like she weighs a lot more than you'd guess by looking at her.
0: Right. Um Yeah. She has amazing prick ears.
1: Amazing prick, very expressive ears, beautiful brown eyes. I'm very obsessed with her. Yeah.
0: She is adorable. Oh my god, she's so cute. Okay, so tell everyone what the DNA results told you.
1: (laughs) So so yeah, just a couple weeks ago, my brother for Christmas got me the embark DNA test. Such a good I held off on, and I was like, oh, I'm just I'm so curious. And we got it. And she is 40% pit bull. Um, and then like something around ten percent of chow chow lab, golden retriever, and super like it was just and it's just stuff that like looking at her, I'm like, really oh, right. really, so like I can kind of maybe pick out a little bit of the pitbull, but I was very surprised by her DNA results, yeah.
0: Okay. So now that you like know her DNA, do you feel like you're kind of like noticing some of that stuff come up in her behavior? No.
1: Only I'd say maybe a tiny bit, the pit bull, but everything else, not even like, no, not even a little bit. I have no idea. She's kind of just a super mutt. Yeah.
0: A delightful super mutt. Okay. So you met her. She bonded to you really quickly. When did you realize that like, she wasn't just like the I don't want to say she wasn't the easygoing dog because I think she is easygoing in some ways, but like, when did you start to be like, excuse me, what is
1: this behavior that you are doing? (laughs) Like The first time I took her out to go to the bathroom, I think is when it was really. Uh, So the foster family she was staying with before I adopted her, she was found on the street with heartworm and pregnant. So she was with this foster family for almost six weeks, getting her heartworm treatment and having her litter and recovering from that. And I, like I said, got her the day she was put up for adoption. Um, and so one of the big challenges of making that transition, I think some of this probably made it so I didn't realize the extent of her reactivity until later on, was that the first six weeks that I had her, she was not allowed to go on a walk.
0: Dude, heartworm treatment is rough.
1: And I was like, rough. how is any dog supposed to do that? Like, it, <laughs> no, right. I can't, like, it's crazy. So we, that was fun to navigate together so really it was just take her out to the bathroom bring her back inside and so while if we ran into a dog when I took her out to the bathroom she'd get a huffy barking lunging whatever and I just didn't think that much of it because I'm like I don't know how much of this is new setting new apartment new person completely different routine recovering from heartworm so I just didn't think anything of it Um, and then after she recovered from all of that was kind of back to normal and it became very noticeable very quickly. It's not something that was easily overlooked. And a lot of that was just, I live in an apartment complex that is dog friendly. There is a dog park in the center of it. I think probably at least half the people in this complex have a dog or a cat. There are lots of pets around. Um, And so it makes it difficult even to just like get out of the complex to take her for a walk. Even if I'm trying to avoid the complex, not running into a dog. The other thing that she is very reactive to is... Um, the maintenance men at our apartment complex drive golf carts. You know this already. And uh, I don't know why, because she doesn't care about cars, she doesn't care about motorcycles, she doesn't care about fire trucks or buses or scooters. It's just golf carts. But she <laughs> hates hates these golf carts and goes absolutely ballistic every time one of them drives past and then I don't know if it's I don't know which Dre it was but she's also very reactive to the maintenance men she's not typically reactive to people I think she's a little nervous and slow for introductions but generally does really well with people I don't know if she hates the maintenance men because they're associated with the golf carts or she hates the golf carts because they're associated with the maintenance men or if everything just comes together to end up the perfect storm storm. yeah exactly yeah Oh my so that's God. her reactivity.
0: Okay. Right. Which is a lot, right? Because you have to work on it every single day. It's not like, you know, no. like, yeah, we'll work on it today. We won't like you had no choice. Okay. So when you started realizing, like you had a lot of behavior on your hands that needed help, did you work with the trainer before you joined reactive redefined?
1: Yeah, it was sad. <laughs> it was a bad. So this is something where I, like I said, first time dog owner, really just didn't know what I was getting. I, I knew what I was getting into. I knew a lot about, like, I'm someone who worked, who's worked in the sphere of early child education and development. And so I understand a little bit of the way brain works under stress. Uh, and I think yeah. a lot of that translates kids to dogs. And I've, I've now knowing what I know, I think it almost directly translates kids to dogs. But at the time, uh, the the play, the shelter that I adopted her from, offered me two free training sessions with the trainer that their shelter used. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Totally. Went to that. And the training session was how to use a prong collar and not knowing better. That was the method that I used for probably two months Okay, before I was like, God, I just, I really don't like this. Like I feel horrible about doing it. Um, it doesn't seem to be helping her reactivity at all. One time, one of the other, um, dog guardians at this apartment complex, let me borrow one of the, the slip leads that tightens when they pull right? Just to see if that would help. Um, and it, I think that is what kind of shifted my thinking is I took her on a walk to do that and she reacted towards something. And I thought that she was going to choke herself out. I thought she was going to pass out. Like she could not disengage, And that's where I very much flipped my thinking of, okay, clearly she is not in a mental state where she is able to flip that switch and come the other way, even if it hurts, even if it's damaged, like she just can't do it. And um, I think I was lucky. I don't know exactly what the timeline was, but I was lucky enough to come across your Instagram at one point. And I think you, you and a couple of other accounts really like opened up the world of positive reinforcement training and. I very quickly stopped using the prong collar um, and shifted towards doing that. And it is slow progress, but it is progress. And I think it certainly is better for Basil, but I think the biggest thing is it's better for me. I don't feel like a terrible person every time I take her for a walk and she's hurting herself or I'm hurting her.
0: Well, and I feel like Basil is the personality of dog too, that like you could hit her over the head with something and that would not change her no, mind not right? at all. like obviously she doesn't deserve that but I think right. that like some personalities of dogs when all guardians start using like prong collars or stuff like that like it quote-unquote starts to work because the dog is So fearful that they're like, Oh my God, this sucks. Okay, fine. I'm just not going to do anything. And she's not that type of dog. She's a stress up kind of dog, not a stress down kind of dog. Right. So like, I can imagine how frustrating that might've been at first. Like we have the tool we're doing like the leash (laughs) corrections and she's still like not making any progress. Well, and it's like, you know, good for you for like trying, but yeah, I feel like we all kind of get to this point where like, this feels terrible right? Like this cannot be the best way, right? Mm -hmm. Like to help her. And I think, especially your understanding and awareness of like child development. And I'm sure seeing like the, the fallout of like, not their needs aren't being met. They're getting punished for things they can't understand. Right. right? Like it's Mm -hmm. really sad, isn't it? Like Basil, we're sorry, girl. Like,
1: (laughs) I know. And I felt terrible. And then kind of just shifted to the mindset of, you know, I did, but I was I bet I did what I knew best to do at that time you with the, the best that you had. Could. Yes. There's just so much conflicting information out there. And I guess I just opted for the the option that I felt best doing. Um, and it happens that it's also effective. It just happens on a slower timeline, but it actually is correcting the underlying issue, which, like I said, in the world of child development is pretty much my whole area of professional interest and expertise. So as soon as I saw your stuff, I hadn't even heard of this type of dog training before. I was like, that makes sense. Let's do that instead. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. So before you joined reactive Redefined, you'd already kind of switched to like, you were using a harness. You were like taking treats with you. So you kind of already like had that you were kind of like trying that. Do you want to just share with everyone? like? what the transition was like for you, like from like pinch collars, like, okay, now she's on the harness and the treats, because I think that it's really beautiful that like myself and all of my colleagues can be like, positive reinforcement is the best because it is. But like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that always acknowledges that like, it's not just like a super smooth transition where like no. everything is easy <laughs> and then we're good to go.
1: No, not at all. Um, I think I mean, I think this is true of any sort of training that you do to support children with parents and teachers is equivalent to what dog trainers do with dog art. You're not training the kid and you're not training the dog. You're training the trainer, right? Like that is the whole point of this. And so, uh, I think what I was doing before reactive redefined was I was seeing this big group of information from Googling and researching and seeing stuff on social media being like, okay. I have a general idea of how this works. Um, I think my mechanics were pretty messy prior to joining, uh, just in terms of timing of seeing a trigger, my reaction time to helping Basil manage or to be able to actually train in that moment. Uh, so that's something that I think the, the program has helped me with a lot. Um, and then also something that was definitely a pretty big learning curve for me, and I think shift in thinking from when I originally got Basil, was, um, I think I was under the impression that I was going to eat a dog, and I was going to take them for multi-mile walks around the neighborhood every day, and I was going to be able to go on runs with her. She does not run. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> she fights when I, oh, it's the it's the funniest thing ever. And you know, maybe someday, but I think a lot of it was a shift in mindset of finding ways that we could spend time together where we are both enjoying ourselves and I'm able to set her up for success. And um, I've shifted how we we use our leisure time when we get outside uh, very differently than what I used to do. Where it was always a walk in a neighborhood where we would come across dogs inevitably, or a walk or two around the apartment complex where we would come across dogs and cats and golf carts and maintenance men, Uh, and now of course we have, we still do that twice a day because I have to take her out to the bathroom two or three times a day. And there's lots of training. I'd say there's more management in that scenario, but in terms of being able to take her out, to get exercise and enjoy our time outside together, I've pretty much thrown walks around the neighborhood out. We don't do that anymore. That's, I tried that. I got pulled down a hill at one point. We went, it was was the whole thing. Anyways. Right.
0: right. And I think that like, I think as like a a dog guardian, I think sometimes when like I tell new clients, like let's just literally change where we're doing this. I think that sometimes we feel like, okay, but that's a cop-out. Like, aren't we just cheating? Like we're not really making any progress. Can you kind of speak to like how that has translated to a little bit more progress in those situations where you aren't like completely controlling the environment?
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that my partner and I have prioritized for Basil whenever we can, as finding places that we can take her for off leash hikes. Um, she's great at hiking. Her recall was really good. It's gotten a little bit worse in, in the last couple of weeks with some squirrels over some hills, but generally she's, she's pretty good and we trust her to hike off leash in areas where we aren't expecting to come across dogs. Even people and bikes, she really just, she'll maybe say hi, but she doesn't mind them. Um, and it's not the same kind of, and I guess I should backtrack with a little bit more context on like what type of reactivity she has. I would guess a lot of it is fear-based. Um, she's generally a pretty nervous dog, but <laughs> as I described in one of the videos I submitted last week for review is sometimes she's just kind of an asshole. Uh, I don't <laughs> think she, I don't, and I, and I love her for it. I think it's, it's, you know, to each their own, not all, not all she dogs. Is. Love That's dogs. okay. Yeah. So she has a select couple dog friends that she loves to hang out with, um, but she's not, I don't think she's a dog that gets like recharged by being around other dogs. I, I definitely don't think that. So um, in finding places out of the way where we think we're unlikely or going at times when we think we're unlikely to come across other dogs has made it so that we're able to work on some of the fundamentals of training in those scenarios and those lower stress scenarios, And those fundamentals can still be applied in other contexts. It's just building those up without the stressors to begin with. Um, And then also in scenarios like a hike we went on last week, there was a dog on the other side of the river from us or the creek from us. And technically she could have gotten to it, right? She's jumped through the creek before. No problem. We go play in the creek. But Having just that little bit of extra distance, even though there's a dog there, even if it's a dog she probably would have reacted to at that distance at the apartment building, just being in that context, having the freedom of being off leash, us trusting her, her choosing to look at me to get a treat and then go the other direction, I think sets her up for success where a walk around the apartment building really does not.
0: Right. So we're like, we're changing the environment so that her mental space, her cognitive capabilities are where we need them to be. Right. And I think that, like, it's so wise, right? Like, it's, it's, I know that you were kind of already doing that before we even met, right? But I think that that just can't be overstated, right? Mm -hmm. That, like, she needs a chance to exist without feeling like she's got to be like, fuck you, don't come closer to me, right? Like, that is a very intense emotional response for her that if she keeps practicing and practicing and practicing, then of course it's never going to get better, right? Mm -hmm. And, I love that she could be off leash and be like dog cookie. Cool. Let's go. Right. Like, and I think that that speaks to that like off leash hikes in nature are what recharge basil. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think most dogs feel that way, not all dogs, but most (laughs) dogs feel that way. Okay. So, um, I know that when we first met, I I had you work on like some additional skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that you had worked on some skill sets, but some of those skills that you've been working on with the prong collar, so I really wanted to make sure that like the behaviors we were teaching were like straight up positive reinforcement. There's no baggage attached to those. Mm-hmm. Um so do you want to kind of speak about like some of the skills we talked about initially that you've been working on and kind of how you've been able to practically apply them these days?
1: Yeah. So, um one that we've gotten much better at is, that I've gotten much better at knowing when to use, I should say, is uh, look at that. And so it's something that we only use when I think we're far enough away from a dog that Basil is able to look at that trigger and then be engaged back to me, get a treat, and then potentially do it one or two more times and keep going depending on how close we are. And I think that's something where I have gotten a better sense of based on the environment, based on her mood that day, because that changes, <laughs> <laughs> just to throw that in the mix, um, has, I think, given us an opportunity to start working on desensitization. And we're still very much at the beginning of steps that she still hates dogs. She's still, you know, if she sees a dog on the other side of the street from us, we'll lose her shit. Uh, and so it's not to say that we're you know, we have not reached the destination, nor do I mean, I don't know that you ever really reached the destination in that sense, right. but we have made good progress on that and knowing when to take advantage of that training opportunity. Uh, one of the other skills that you had talked to us about was um heel heel on both sides so basil had a pretty good heel when i got her i was very lucky she knew all of her commands i had to do very little training in that sense i just don't know how it was trained before um when i got her initially it seemed like she was really really treat motivated she would like spin in circles for her dinner and i wasn't asking anything which is very cute Uh, and then she put on 10 pounds and then she was a little less treat motivated. (laughs) 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 Um, so I think one thing that I've been doing on that sense, just especially with heel and walks around the neighborhood where I know she's going to be getting a minimum of a certain amount of treats every day. I've one started using her kibble. Um, And decreasing the amount that I give her at meals. So I don't feel like I'm stuffing my dog. (laughs) Like that is one thing I definitely was doing when I first started is I kept her meals the same and then added a whole bunch of treats that were not kibble onto that. And she ballooned up a little bit, (laughs) which I don't think is a bad thing. Like I would absolutely prioritize her mental health over an extra pound or two. Obviously you don't want her getting very overweight and we adjusted to keep that from happening. But, um, with her heel, she had an okay heel. And then one of the things you suggested was working on both sides. So she very much had the traditional heel on the left side. um, and even that wasn't great for duration. She'd come get a treat and the treat was kind of her release. And so we've been working on making it so that I can give her treats in the middle of a behavior to continue the duration uh, and then having the actual release word, which for us is okay. Right. The, doing it on the other side, shifting to the right has been a challenge. That's something that um, I think we have not spent enough time in settings where she can really focus on just that. So that's something we'll need to keep working on. I'm right. trying to remember, are there any others?
0: Yeah, I feel like those were like the major ones. And we also kind of worked on like a little bit more of like a pattern of her, like waiting at the apartment door, going out, yep. checking in with you, just like. Setting up a few more processes just to decrease like the likelihood of her like losing it the second you go out the door, at least, right? Like you know, just some of those small things. And basil is so highly trainable, right? So it was like yeah. it, it wasn't that she didn't have great training, it was just kind of about like when can we work on this? And mm-hmm. you know, circle back what you're saying, like a lot of it was like tweaking your mechanics, right? Timing, mm-hmm. making sure the treat delivery was where it needed to be, which you have you've come a long way in just a couple months that we've been together, right? Like your mechanics, your timing. And I think just like your overall confidence and knowing what to do in the situations that arise, right? Because like you said, it is, it is not a destination, right? Like you were still very much in the training journey, but I feel like you have more confidence instead of the like, oh my God, you were losing your shit again. What are we going to do about this? Right? Like, Right. And I can tell like definitely in the videos, just like your, your overall demeanor, you just seem so much calmer, right? Like, okay, cool. This is happening. This is what we're going to do right now. So I'd be like, that's something that you would definitely improved on. And I want to touch on this too, because I think that it's really important. So like you were saying, right, like Basil's not a dog who needs like a bazillion dog friends, but she has a couple dog friends that she's not always the most uh, appropriate, I guess we'll label it with. Right. And that's something that I really love being able to support you in, right? Like upload the videos. Let's see mm-hmm. them, what's been happening and kind of just giving you a little bit more of the, you know, the knowledge of like, okay, this is when it's not going well. This is when you need to intervene. This is mm-hmm. actually going well. You don't need to intervene. So do you want to speak just a little bit about that? Like her direct dog-dog interactions in play?
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing that I'll note, which I've found to be very interesting is that at least all of the ones that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, I mean, there are very few dog friends. Let me be clear. I can count them on one hand. Um, All of the the dogs that she is friends with now are dogs that she met when they were still pretty young, whether they were like puppy puppies, you know, 10, 15 weeks old or under the first year. I don't think she has any dog friends that she met when they were older than a year old. Um, And I don't know if some of that's just because she, because they don't know that her behavior is inappropriate yet, uh, or because she's less threatened by them, or because she was had a litter herself and there's some maternal, I like, I just I'm not sure what of that impacts it. I feel like it's all
0: of it, honestly, yeah.
1: probably. Um, but she is very much a boss lady. <laughs> like she is in charge of every dog friendship she has, and this is true of her, uh, relationship with my brother's dog, Blue, who is now 100 (laughs) pounds. You would think that he would be in charge, but man, is he not. Like, she is on top of him riding. It's ridiculous. Um, and I would say that Basil, I mean, this is where you can see some of the DNA coming through is the pit bull. She comes on very strong. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily say it's coming on strong wanting to play. She plays very aggressively. She plays like a pit bull. And that does not surprise me. But when she's like introducing herself, she is very um, in dog's face, kind of aggressive, like getting in front of them, even when they're being you know, really nice and patient and- Oh my God, like a million of ap- gestures like are not oh even God. enough for her. She doesn't stop. Like she just keeps pushing until things blow up. So there have been a couple scuffles that we've had um, and I really don't introduce her to new dogs unless I have t- like week or weeks- to work on their relationship. The only dog that she has been able to build up a relationship with where they started really terribly was with my boyfriend's family's German Shepherd dog. Uh, Still pretty young, uh, but (laughs) they hated each other. They freaked out at each other the first time that they met. And over the course of a week of doing some distance walks, they got to the point where they could play. And same thing, German Shepherd is a big dog. Basil is still very much in charge of that relationship. So some of it is picking and choosing friends and knowing who is willing to put up with Basil's behavior. Uh, And then the other thing is just when I see Basil uh, coming on too strong, whether mostly in play, I really don't put her in positions where she can come on too strong. Otherwise, we've been working on trying to recall out of that. And that's an art that I'm working on. (laughs) It's a process. Great, but it is. It's definitely getting
0: better. And then like, Okay. So I want to highlight something because I think that it's really important. So bully breeds definitely have like the stancy, like come in hot thing, nothing Mm -hmm. to be surprised of there. But I think for Basil, like it's more than that, right? Like, I think she's just like, I think it's really rooted in insecurity. And that's why she like really behaves so intensely because she's like, I don't know. I don't trust you. I'm going to make sure that I am setting the tone and I feel safe. And it doesn't really matter how you feel. The other dog, right? Like, and that's okay, right? Like, that's okay. But Mm -hmm. I think we have to acknowledge that, like, Basil isn't going into dog interactions to be an asshole. Like, that's not her motivation. We know, of course, that's how it presents itself. But, like,
1: ultimately, I think it really is rooted in insecurity and just kind of inexperience with dogs, Mm -hmm. too. Probably. Yeah. And I like, I, of course, I only speculate on what her experience was before I adopted her, but I would imagine there were some traumatic experiences if she was found with heartworm pregnant on the street. I did, And there are some things for like, if I open a drawer in the kitchen or if I pick up a broom, she's like, maybe there was some abuse somewhere in there as well. So I'm very cognizant of that and going in and just making, I'm trying I've gotten much better at recognizing her signals for when she's nervous or needs to pay attention to something or needs to be redirected. And I'd say, honestly, the thing that like the reactive redefined training and mindset has put me in is like my reaction time has to be faster than her reaction time. And that's hard because she reacts fast. And like, I've got to say, like, I'll go for a walk by myself around the apartment complex. And if a golf cart drives by, my blood pressure shoots through the roof. I'm like, I'm ready to go regardless of whether or not Basil's there because I have to do it before her. Otherwise shit hits the fan. <laughs> right,
0: right, yeah. So like, I mean, I think so much of it is really just like your mechanics, training skill, awareness, response time. That's basically what we worked on, right? Mm-hmm. Which is getting tremendously better. Okay, so do you want to speak just a little bit about like um, the group call dynamic? How did it feel to be in the group calls?
1: Um. I think the first call after I got off, I called my boyfriend was like, there are other people who have these problems. Like I feel (laughs) so heard and so seen. Like I said, I just didn't know this was a problem before. And it's very isolating. Like I love dogs and I couldn't go to the dog park to say hi to all the dogs that I already made friends with before I got Basil, right? Um, And so I think hearing other people having experienced similar things and seeing people in different stages of their training journey was definitely really reassuring. It's also really interesting just being able to learn from, I know people share videos every week and we get to learn from each other's experiences is really helpful, but looking at the different types of reactivity and trying to understand where Basil falls in that spectrum and in different scenarios, because like, I don't think she's, I don't think she's least um, reactive. I don't think that she's aggressive, Um, I I don't think she wants to get to other dogs so she can play with them. I would say most definitely not that one, but seeing that in other dogs has helped me get a clearer picture of where Basil is at and could be going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Right. Just like the frame of reference of like, because there really is such a spectrum of like, reactive behavior in the group right like some of the dogs are like do not come closer to me and some of the other dogs are like why are you
1: running away <laughs> i was like man if only basil had that kind of reactivity but not not to discount it i think it's i mean there, there's lots to learn from everybody uh, even if it's not the same type of reactivity as basil
0: right? Right. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, any other standout favorite parts of reactive redefined you want to share with all the listeners?
1: Hmm. (laughs) Um, honestly, and this is not so much the training and more just the camaraderie of, of our calls is I love, like I'm in love with other people's dogs that I've never met before. Like I follow everyone. I follow at least a couple of people on social media and I like, I feel like I know Waylon and I'm like, I love you, Waylon. Waylon, you are the best. And like, same as like some of the other people that I follow and like seeing them in the back of the calls. Why? Like, there was the one call where, oh, I'm not going to remember who it was, where the dog was barking the entire time that the guardian was talking. And we're like, we all get it. If you want an opportunity to train and ignore her in this situation, now is the time. And then the entire time the dog is just whining. And I, I think that that, I mean, there's really not a better group of people to do it who who get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I hear you on that. I just fall so deeply in love with all of you, right? Like, (laughs) And the fact that like you are meeting your dogs exactly where you're at and you're doing everything you can to make their life great. Like it's just the best. Oh my -hmm. God. Oh my God. Okay. So Bethany, if you had to share one piece of advice to other reactive dog guardians who are listening, maybe reactive dog guardians who have dogs a lot like Basil,
1: what (laughs) would you tell them? I would say that the most important thing that I have learned in this process as a reactive dog guardian as a whole is just to throw your own personal expectations of what having a dog was before you got a dog out the window and really focus on your relationship and finding ways that both you and your dog can enjoy your time together. I think that that is like central to a healthy, long lasting training relationship with a dog or a person or really any, anybody, anything. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing for me that has just been further reinforced and emphasized through through Reactive Redefined.
0: Oh my God. Well, and the fact that like you and Basil can enjoy each other and you're doing things that you know are helping her, it doesn't feel like shit to like yank on her prong, prong collar, right? <laughs> like, and I think that there's just, there's so much beauty that happens like when we show up in our relationships with our dogs and then we realize we can like man like do that more in our other relationships right mm-hmm. like it's so beautiful just to appreciate like okay basil you can be a turd sometimes and I love you and I'm on this ride with you and let's do this right like yeah. oh my god, oh my god thank you so much for talking about basil today is there an instagram you want to share if listeners wanted to connect with you
1: Oh, goodness. She doesn't have her own Instagram. I debated and I decided that I wasn't one of those people, but now I kind of regret it. <laughs> I wish that I had one that, that documented everything. Um, She is like featured in 85% of my posts. So my Instagram is just, uh, well, let me look it up. Bethany underscore Jana. So B-E-T-H-A-N-Y underscore J-A-N-A
0: amazing okay and like you can just make your personal instagram all about basil like it's very
1: much headed in that direction yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) thank you so much for sharing thank you thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoyed the show